splash hit. Oh, yeah. And he hits one high. He hits one deep. McCovey calls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they can put a number up on the splash hit. Nice time now. And they are. <laughs> got a splash hit. J.K. Snow with a splash. And that was a water shot. High drive to right. Headed to the water. Hi Giants fans, welcome to the Splash Hits podcast with me, Charlie Baldwin. Today I am joined by the admin and founder of at SF Giants UK, David Gibson. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm good, thank you, Charlie. Not too bad. Yourself? Um, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good to hear that. And with me also is the co-founder of the Splash Hits podcast, Ben Salvin. You all good today, Ben? Yeah, all good. All good here. Good, good. So... Since we last joined you two weeks ago, the Giants lost the series 2-1 to the Marlins on the road, beat the Phillies 2-1 on the road, took three out of four from the Phillies at home, and then beat the Rockies two games to one at home as well, which then takes us up to the most recent series against the Padres, which was also on the road. So to get into it, in game one, Logan Webb faced Hugh Darvish. Webb went six strong innings, allowing three earned runs with seven hits, four strikeouts, and one walk in a game that the Giants lost 3-2. The recently called up Zach Littell and Sam Salmon each pitched a scoreless inning. Buster Posey hit a first inning solo home run to put the Giants on the board. Evan Longori hit into a double play with the bases loaded, scoring an RBI inning for the Giants' only other run of the game. And Logan Webb made one mistake pitch on a ho- on a two-run home run that ultimately decided the whole affair. So, without further ado, the one thing that most Giants fans were talking about after that game was umpire Adam Hanari's strike zone, which, in the most polite terms possible, was not good. But, according to his umpire scorecard, he was 91% accurate and 97% consistent, when 90% plus is rated as an A. But, as we all saw, there were the awful calls, especially for the Wilma Flores strikeout in the ninth, where there were three pitchers or nowhere close to the plate. And even Buster Posey at one point got two pitches from Darvish, exactly the same pitch, exactly in the same spot, well off the plate. The first one was called a ball. He got the next one again, which was then called a strike. So obviously he looked back to Maureen and went, yeah, what's going on? So Dave and Ben, can you remember the last time we saw an umpire that bad? And is there, And do you think that unfortunately helped to decide the game? Um in terms of it going against the Giants in the end? I'll go to Dave first and then Ben. Uh, yeah, we're seeing, seem, seem to be a lot of poor uh, umping decisions this year in particular, but we have seen it in the past with uh, Hernandez, is it, and uh, Joe West and players like that. Umps like that make the game about themselves, but uh, it was terrible and I'm not sure... Looking at that scorecard, how how that's possibly the same game that we saw, um, I'm not I'm not sure how they go about getting the accuracy with where it says um, established zone, and it has those called strikes in the established zone, and it doesn't matter if it's established zone, the hitter can't do anything with it, so it doesn't you know that's where I'm I'm all for automated uh, strike zone myself. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing people are heading that way, but did it uh, affect the game? Um, yeah, definitely. I think who's, we were only one run behind, and uh, taking the bat out of Flores's hand there was just crazy. I kind of think maybe he set himself up to fail there when he uh, looked back and uh, <laughs> had a word or two, or a pointed uh, stare at the ump there, and... Uh, Melanson, give him his due, he just said, well, if you're going to give me that, I'm going to throw it there. You know, why Melanson can pitch against us and not for us, I do not know. Uh, I'll hand over to Ben because I'm just ranting now. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't wasn't great, was it? They were, there was those pitches to Flores and it was three of them all on the outside corner. And you think, was it 97% you said, Charlie, that he was consistent on these zone? That... Uh, <sighs> 
consistent is fine, but if it's consistently bad, <laughs> it's not helping anyone. I think one thing you've got to look at when you look at a strike zone, if he's giving a little bit higher, a little bit lower, a little bit uh, in, a little bit out, it's fine. Uh, I don't mind that you know, because then it's up to the pitcher to go, all right, every pitch slightly in is going to be called a strike. Then by the ninth inning, you should know if it's slightly in, it's going to be a strike, even if it's maybe just off the plate. But these these three were, were way off, way off. And Flores has had a slow start, but he's still someone that can can hit the ball out of the park. You know, he's not a he's, he's a power hitter for us. I think he led the team in home runs last year, so it's a shame. Um, and that could have been the difference between a two, two and one series and a, a one and two, but. We're three and three against the Padres, all of them at Petco Park. I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, Ben. Uh, looking at the bigger picture, there we are, three and three against them. Um, I'm not. I don't think we've talked about this so far on Splash Hits Pod. But uh, where are you guys on the potential of robot umpires at the beginning of the season? And has this game changed your mind on it at all? Because to me, I still like the human element of as long as they're consistent and they're sensible of umpires like having their own strike zone. And to me, the rare, the, the bad umpires are quite rare. Like when you think of uh, Joe West and Angel Hernandez, but uh, is it, has that game changed your opinion on it at all? And then again, I'll go to Dave first and then Ben. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I've, I'm for automated strike zones now and I, I can appreciate the, the human side of the game, but I want my human side of the game to be the people playing the game, not the people officiating the game. You know, they're there to make sure it's played right and to the rules and those strike zones aren't to the rule. So, you know, I don't think it would take, it would help them. It wouldn't get rid of their job. All they have, you know, all they need is a, a an earphone in and a, a buzz if it hits the strike zone. And if it says nothing, it's missed the strike zone and they call it still. They still do everything else. They can take the time to worry about the rest of the game and not not so much about that because there's been a lot of uh, crazy ump rulings on some other things not just strike zones so yeah I think it would help umpires it would help hitters it would help pitchers because you'd have a consistent zone for every game and every pitch so yeah I'm I'm for it uh, I wouldn't say I'm for it in that I'm like I'm for the DH in the National League, but I think that 100% is something that should happen with the strike zone. Um, not not sold either way. I don't hate it as it is. I think if they are to change, then one, it has to be quick. It can't be a long delay. You know, uh, I'm sure they can do that. You know, instant. So we don't miss a call. It just all flows naturally. And then the second point is, and I listened to a podcast about. The strike zone. It was on Baseball America podcast, which are very good. I can't remember who the um, the guest was at the time. It was about six months ago, and they were talking about the two different ways because uh, they've, they've tried the automated zone in I think it's Pacific League or one of those leagues. And even the two ways you can have it, and where it crosses the plate is like a flat screen, and if it goes through there, it gets given as a strike. But the other one was like a box. So a pitch could be clearly a ball to everyone to see. It dips down at the end, maybe catches the slightest little bit of the back of the box, and they were giving that a strike. So it depends on what system they use. If it's a flat screen at the front of the uh, home plate, then I think it's good. Then maybe then you've got to then make the question is, how much of the ball has to go through that plate? Is it 50%, more than 50%? to be called a strike or just any of it because once again you could have the smallest little scratch on that and the rest of the ball be outside so I think it's quite a complicated one that for uh, Major League Baseball to sort out. Yeah interesting points there Ben so kind of like VAR there where like the ball or soccer is for our American listeners where the ball has to be completely over the line for it to be a goal and we won't get into that but there's been a lot of uh a few issues there as well, should we say? But um, just one more point on this. Um, to me, I felt that Gabe Kapler should have come out at that point because it had been a really frustrating game with the umpire. I think he should. That was a point where he should have gone on a rant, shouted, screamed, got thrown out just to get the guys fired up in the dugout. Um, is that is that something you'd agree with, Ben and then Dave? 
Um, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, ninth inning especially. I don't I think, don't think it's productive if you do it in the first inning. You know, if you're you getting kicked out of the game over balls and strikes in the first inning, maybe it's a bit stupid. But in the ninth inning, uh, go for it. Give them hell forever. I agree, Charlie. Um, yeah, it would be nice to see that side of him. I guess he's still taking the chilled, laid-back uh, route at the moment, but we have seen him when he was in Philadelphia uh, ranting and shouting. So I guess he, he's comfortable and he's at the moment he's comfortable and he uh, thinks his batters can get it going. But, you know, how much will it fire them up? I don't know. But, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we will see it at some point, especially if we get something like that again. I can't see him. Not next time. <laughs> okay, just moving on to something a bit more positive here. Um, we we got seven innings out of Logan Webb there, and other than one or two mistake pitches, I thought he pitched really well. Um, I actually thought he pitched better in this game than he did in his game against the Marlins, where he pitched seven shutout innings there and also had the famous triple as well. So... Um, I'll go to Dave and then Ben. So what impressed you about Logan Webb in this outing, please? Yeah, I think Logan Webb's just really finding his feet now. You know, it took him a while. We expected him to do big things. And, you know, his his against Mar- Marlins, he was superb. And like you say, it was just that one, that one mistake that um, cost the Giants the game, really. But I think that's more of the... If you can't make one mistake and your hitters back you up to uh, get back in the game, then that's you know that's more of a hitting problem, you know. So one mistake, you know, I think he's great, and uh, looking forward to him in the next series to see how he goes. Get his ERA down with the others, maybe. <laughs> yeah, he was very impressive, wasn't he? Um, what I think was good is he, he got through those hitters six innings, uh, only striking out four. You know, he's not, you know, sometimes you go 16 in great out and someone might get eight or nine strikeouts, especially nowadays. But he managed to do it uh, in outs other ways. One thing I think he needs to work on is limiting the hits. He's, he didn't, I think, maybe walk one person, if I remember correctly. Um, so he's, you know, his command was there. Just maybe, you know, when you're giving up contact, some of those balls are going to find it through. But then he managed to uh, get out of it without much damage. So, uh, no, he, he was good in um, spring training so it's nice to see after a slow start he's helping the team out yeah definitely Ben that was a good point that you made there about getting ground ball outs as well and pitch efficiency because as we know if you're going for a strikeout especially against a team about the, like the Padres that can grind out ABs it can take five six or seven pitches whereas obviously if you're getting ground out on two or three pitches it's going to mean that you can go longer into the game um another thing that impressed me was the returns of zach Littell and sam selman to the bullpen as well who had literally been called up just the day before and Littell had been working on a splitter as well which i thought was very effective and we kind of know what the book on selman is but he i think was an unfortunate victim of the options game shall we say like in terms of he had an option or two left which kind of meant he was always going to end up at the alternate site for some point in time so uh, how did you guys think they did in their returns in that game and i'll go to ben and then Dave first please well they, they did good because they they kept us in the game didn't they um and that's all you could ask of your relief pitchers I think Selman, I think, walked a couple of batters. So from, from now on, you know, he's, if he's going to come back up, up and down, that's something for him to work on. Um, but it, with, with the with the, the depth that we have in the alternate site, and, you know, we've seen a few guys up and down already, uh, Gregory Santos, it's only going to take someone to have a, a bad outing or two. To, I'm sure we'll see them back. Uh, they convey a belt of far hands, bullpen, just keeps on going. Especially now, also that we made the trade and sent a reliever away to bring in Mike, Mike Talkman. Um, I'm sure we'll get on to more. He had a big impact in yesterday's game. Uh, but there's still lots of arms there. Yeah, we're sort of, uh, we've got lots, lots of relievers that we can mix and match with. And But both pitchers did fall for the older. Uh, Based on balls, you know, it seems to be a big problem with our pitching at the moment is uh, giving free passes and uh, 
that's something we need to uh, get rid of because it will cost us in the end but can't take it away from like Ben said they kept us in the game uh, pitched an in in each and uh, zero ERA so you know can't be too uh, fussy with that <laughs> yep the uh, bullpen looked great in that game but unfortunately the offense didn't we actually loaded the bases twice in consecutive innings in that game as well um, and a big problem the Giants seem to have at the moment is cashing in, especially with the bases loaded. So what do you think the Giants could do better in those situations, guys? So I'll go to Dave and then Benford. Well, what they could do better is hit, get hits with runners on. But uh, yeah, it seems to be uh, it seems to be the small ball that's um, disappeared a bit from our game, which is something as a Giants fan we're used to seeing. So yeah, it's it seems to be uh, solo home runs or nothing at the moment. So, you know, we've got to work the uh, squeezes, get the bunts down, get, you know, a hit here or there. Some of it's going to be, you know, down to luck and just where you're hitting the ball. But, yeah, definitely need to do better in those situations going forward because uh, it's only going to get harder as we go along the season. We've had a pretty soft start. So, yeah, we need to get going. And I think we've said this every podcast uh, since we started. <laughs> Yeah, definitely making contact with the ball. We've had plenty of home runs, haven't we? Uh, all our runs almost seem to get scored, even by some unlikely people uh, recently. As he's been bringing back uh, the 2010-2012 days with his power. But I was having a look, actually, just before we, we went live with this podcast and just some stats on the team. I think our, our BABIP, which is balls hit and play, uh, was around 270-271. So... That is about league average, I think, if you're looking at that. So it's once we're putting it in play, it's not like we're being our Babib is two twenty and we're just getting undone by great defensive plays and that will even out. We are when we're putting it in play, it's been fair. So in barrel on the bat uh barrel on the ball, I should say, um, more often is something that we need to do with runners in scoring positions and youth grounding in I think it was game two. If I remember correctly, we grounded into maybe two or three double plays. Uh, so in situations like that, just not giving up the easy double outs. Yeah, Ben, I think um, something we need to do better as a team is kind of adapt the offensive approach in that situation. I know like the selectively aggressive approach has worked well at times this season, but I think if you can get a fly ball out there and it's not really in your hitting zone, but it is up in the zone, I think you've got to go for it and just take the one run and not try and hit it over the wall for a really unlikely grand slam. And uh, speaking of Grand, grand slams or what was almost a grand slam uh there was also the unfortunate darren ruff we all thought it was a grand slam but then it wasn't a grand slam which for me was the most deflating moment of the season so far because i think that would have been a huge turning point in that game probably finished off the padres deflated them completely put our guys on a high um would you agree that that was probably the most deflating moment of the season so far because for me i know we had the mariners collapse in uh in the season opener but obviously they're not in the division and we're not like up against them for the whole season and there's not really a rivalry as there as well so I'll go to Dave and then Ben please Yeah it was a pretty uh, interesting uh, but I think Ruff looked a bit confused anyway because I don't think he for a second thought it went out but <laughs> he still ran around the bases but yeah yeah, like you say it could have been you know a few inches, a few inches to the left and uh, could have been a completely different series but but saying that there's a hit here or there, one hit here or there would have completely changed it uh, in both the first two games either way. So, you know, it's just one of those things, yeah. Yeah, that was horrible, wasn't it? So close. And it, and he's almost deserved it. If you look at his at-bats, he's not had as many as a lot of advice on the team. He's done really well and he's hit for power. Um, there's a reason why he's still with the team. You know, defence is... But he, he reminds me a little bit, maybe not as good, but a little bit like of Mike Morse that we used to have. Because not only does he hit for power, uh, but he, he seems to hit for power in important moments. Um, and he didn't do much wrong there, did he? Um, he's slugging. It's very good. But it's a tough, tough one to take. 
Um, yeah, a real shame there. He's a guy I like. I thought it would have been great to do that. But when I was to get that in, I was looking at the results. So I didn't watch that game live. That was one that I watched uh, the condensed highlights in the morning. And it's hit it and you hear the home run call. And home run, grand slam. And I'm checking my finger. It wasn't, we didn't score four runs. <laughs> I'm thinking, wait a minute. Then you see the close up and you go, ah, yeah. Yeah, he missed it by a baseball probably. Uh, proper sucker punch there. Yeah, after that unfortunate loss in game one, we then moved on to game two. Anthony Di Sclafani went up against Blake Snell. Disco gave up 300 runs on a first inning home run to Manny Machado, but then allowed no runs in the next five innings. So he went six innings pitched, allowed 300 runs on three hits and two walks while striking out three. Camilo Duvall allowed a solo home run to Jurickson Pro Far in the eighth. He was replaced by Jose Alvarez. Jose Alvarez gave up a two-run single to Jake Cronenworth, but Duvall was responsible for the runners already on base. The Giants' run came on a Mauricio Dubon solo home run in the in the fifth inning, and the Darren Ross single in the same inning scored the other run. So the final score was ultimately 6-2 to the Padres. But other than that first inning, Anthony DiSclefani, to me, is starting to look like a solid middle kind of pitching option for me. I don't think he's doing quite enough to be, say, a number two secondary ace or something like that. But we know at the moment he'll always go five or six innings. He'll always keep us in a game. So would you guys agree with where I am with him there? Or would you rate him as slightly better than that? I'll go to Dave and then Ben, please. I think he's uh, in the slot where he should be. I think all of our starting pitching is, well far surpassed what I thought it would be this year and I think we've got we're either got the lowest or second lowest ERA in baseball so of starting pitching I think it's only Logan Webb who's over three isn't it and the others are around two so yeah he's been brilliant um yeah you can't ask any more from him really I mean that game's another one where it was close all the way through just that that eighth inning where they uh blew it open there but you know, we were in it up until then, so, you know, it was good. And Disclavani's been brilliant, as has everyone else. <laughs> and Logan Wed's now catching up, so, yeah, it's good going forward. I think in the last podcast that we, we did two weeks ago, we all sort of praised the starting pitching, and him especially. Uh, we called him Disco because we struggled with the name, and... And he's not stopped, you know. He's really, you know, he's, he's been really good. And as has everyone, uh, like you said, in that starting rotation, he did it once again. All right, it wasn't his best outing he's had, but he did enough to keep us in the game again. And on another day, if the bats were swinging a bit more. That's another one we could have come on to. And that rotation, though, is it's looking like it's going to keep us in a maybe even a wild card spot all year. You know, the way they're, they're pitching, if it carries on, we're not going to be far off or we will be there. And it's going to be because of them. The bats haven't really got going. We said we think they will uh, a few weeks ago. They've not really got going, but it's not really mattered. Okay, so we're all in agreement there that Di Scafani's having a good season there. But somebody that um, I know especially Ben was critical of in the last in-play runs was Mauricio Dubon, who hit a home run in that game and he has been looking better with his offense in terms of hitting balls hard but they just seem to be at people but unfortunately he's also had the base running gaffes as well so in terms of the season he's having do you think he's getting better on the offensive side what he needs to work on his running game so what have you been thoughts been on Mauricio Dubon over the last two weeks please and I'll go to Ben first and then Dave yeah, I was critical of him. And he's had a real mixed bag. Um, it's odd to see him hit a home run. I think he's going to get many this year. Uh, but he completely levered that ball. You know, he got every little bit of it. Um, off, off a very good pitcher. You know, so he did well with there. The base running gaffes were poor. You know, you're, you're, you're a major league and now you shouldn't be doing stuff like that. And it can cost you games when you do things like that. Um, it's... I think he's below par at the moment, but he's working his way up to, to maybe what we was expecting. I think when I was slating him on the last podcast, Dave reminded me that last year he started a bit slow, but got going a bit towards the end. So 
Hopefully it's the same. And on a positive note, um, his defence is great. You know, whether that be centre field, whether that be shortstop when he filled in for Crawford, who was injured for a few games, and he's probably going to maybe need to play a bit second, which is where, you know, I think where we uh, brought him up from. I think he was a second baseman. So, you know, Tommy Lestella's gone down, Solano's gone down, so I'd probably see a mix of maybe him and Flores there going forward. Um, so at least you know if he's in the lineup defensively, he'll hold up. Yeah, I think that's the big point, isn't it? He's he's a player we need because he can play everywhere and play everywhere well. Uh, especially this year, he's just been brilliant defensively, and like you say, he, slow start, slow start last year. I think the last six games, he's at, he's not gone hitless in the last six games, so that's that's a big improvement already. So he's finding some gaps, and yeah, a home run, uh, quite a short porch there, I think, down that uh, line there to the uh, metal company building, but. Yeah, he 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 looked elated when it, straight off the bat the way he dropped that it was fun to see and it's good to see him start getting hits because we need him in the lineup for his defense. So if he can help offensively as well, then that all the better. Because yeah, we have got the oldest uh, team in baseball, and it does seem we are seeing some of the uh, downsides of that with uh, people uh, soft tissue injuries. So. Yeah, we need. Uh, I think he is our youngest player at twenty six, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> I think he's somewhere thereabouts. So yeah, crazy. Yeah. So hopefully the bat keeps getting better, and uh, yeah, we're going to need him. Okay. Speak of the bats getting better, the Giants had lost two in a row there, so they were looking to avoid the sweep in Game Three. Uh, Kevin Gaussman faced Blake Snell. Gaussman went six innings pitched, allowed an earned run, which was. In my opinion, an unbelievable solo home run to Fernando Tatis Jr. It was well off the plate. I still don't know how he got to it. And even Galsman just looked at him thinking, how on earth have you done that? But other than that, he allowed six hits and a walk and struck out six. Caleb Barragar, Tyler Rogers, and Camilo Duval pitched three out shutout innings. Uh, Tommy Lestella had a single and a triple, collecting two RBIs on the day. Mike Talkman hit a three-run home run and also walked with the bases loaded to force in a run. Wilma Flores was responsible for the RBI with a ground out, all of which led to a 7-1 Giants win and means we are now tied with 3-3 for the season series of the Padres. So in this game at times, Kevin Gaussman did look vulnerable, but he did tough it out against a very good lineup, which in my opinion is a true mark of an ace. And we've kind of had that recently in his starts where the previous starts this, he didn't have his best stuff either, but he toughed it out then. And it's, and these games are always interesting to me when you see an ace pitcher who doesn't have their best stuff because, to me, the sign of an ace is to be that guy who, even when he's not on his A game, he still goes six or seven innings and he still puts you in a position to win. Uh, would you agree that? So, that would you agree with that assessment, uh, Dave? And then Ben? Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Gausen's, like you say, tough it out. You know, give up that one run, but that was it. That was it. You know, six hits, six strikeouts, but um, he's a 2.04 ERA, so there's not much more we can ask from him. And the bat showed up for him for a change, which was amazing and just shows you, you know, if we can get those bats going in some of those other games, we'll be blowing the Padres out of the absolute water. They cannot hit us. And I just... Don't the Padres are not as good from what I've seen with the Giants playing? They're not as good as everyone's making out them to be. You know, they've got the flashy players. You know, the the side's not as big as some of the Eagles on that team. They've got flashy players that make one or two plays every now and again, which are all scattered all over the social media. Oh, what a great double play! We see that all the time. That's nothing to us. We got some of the best double play, you know, from Crawford you'll ever see. But I just, it's just, they're just not as good as everyone's making out. I just don't get it. You know, if we get a few more hits, we actually crush them. They can't hit our pitching very well. It's just, what's all the fuss about? Same old Padre, is what I say. It's funny you both make those two points because you've, firstly, uh, Charlie about Gaussman, and second, Dave about the Padres, because they were the two thoughts I had in my head. One was that, yeah, Gaussman has been so good. He, that Even when he's not at his best, he's limiting them to one run. 
he's in and out of trouble. And I was looking earlier at the, the free agents this year uh, who are available starting pitchers. And we're going to find someone big. I think that's clear. Um, we're losing Crawford. We're losing Bell, possibly Posey. So maybe we sign someone to go fill in at shortstop. There's a lot of good shortstops coming, but then we've got Luciano in the pipeline. I think the person we should sign big is Gausman. I think he needs a good contract after this. He's been, all right, we'll see how it goes. But if it carries on, I think this is someone we need to extend. He's fantastic. And my second point that I had in my head, which Dave has alluded to, is about the Padres. I find them a bit odd. Everyone talked about the Dodgers series, and it was like watching postseason baseball. Uh, both teams going at it. Now, when I've watched, I didn't watch any of those games, only a little bit of highlights here and there. But when I watch the games against the Padres, they hit a home run. It's like they've just won the game in the NLDS or the NLCS. They make a good defensive play, and they did make good defensive plays. But it was, like, unbelievably overhyped. And I'm not saying don't have fun. You're playing every day. Do have fun. I'm not this anti-fun person. Um, but you're getting a little bit too pumped up every day. It's going gonna, it's gonna to wind them down. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's gonna, it can surely it's going to drain on them where they they're this hyped all the time and they're not getting the results that they feel they should get clearly. But yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you had the same thought. I thought, oh, have I just gone out on a a crazy limmy and I'm going to get absolutely roasted? But <laughs> no, I, I was thinking I was thinking that this, every time I watched them this three game series, every time. That's a good point. I think that's the difference between being under the radar and having all this pressure and expectations on you. So, as we know, all three World Series years, no one had the Giants outside of San Francisco going even to the playoffs, probably let alone the World Series. But then when the pressure's on, it's a whole different ball game. I think if the Padres, even if they don't, Win the division. I think they'll, the owners and the people even up above AJ Preller will be hugely disappointed there. And I think even 90 to 95 wins, some of the fan base will be massively disappointed as well with the, all the moves they've made and the media hype they've had around that. Whereas the Giants, oh, we're third place. We're going to finish in third place by about 15 games. We're not going to do anything. Nice and easy, chilled as you go. Um, let's see what the guys we've got can do. Add Bar, add Ramos, maybe add one or two others as well around the deadline afterwards, and uh, suddenly it gets a bit, little bit more interesting. But going on to someone we just signed, uh, Mike Talkman had a huge game in that game with the three-run home run, and also the bases loaded walk as well and I actually watched him play runs yesterday and I actually asked Jack from New York Yankees UK about his view on the Taupman trade because I don't know if you guys noticed it but what amazed me was Yankees Twitter absolutely went off on one against (laughs) Brian Cashman and it was like they'd trade in an all-star or something I couldn't I couldn't believe it um so this is going to be a question in two parts but just for Giants fans who may still be wondering why I actually traded for a Talkman. Unfortunately, although we are all big believers in Austin Slater, he's really struggled against right-handers. So Talkman was brought in as the left-handed side of a platoon in centre field with Slater to hit against right-handers. So my question to you, Dave, is when I asked Jack about Talkman, one of the things he said was he's very much an energy player, a chemistry player, um, a guy who brings a lot of positivity as well. And do you think that's something the Giants lacked after Hunter Pence was cut last season? And have you seen that from Talkman so far? And then... To you, Ben, another thing that uh, Jack said was Taupman was a guy who just needed a shot. Um, I'm sure you've looked up his stats as one. You know in 2019 he had a good year then, but ever since then he's kind of been in and out and he's not really had a good run of games. So do you think that it's literally a case of um, putting him in that platoon, similar to what we do with um, Alex Dickerson in left field, and uh, let's see what he's got. So I'll go to Dave with the intangibles question first and then, Ben with the more statistically leaning question. Yeah, it does seem we have lost that that clubhouse guy who hypes everyone up, and uh, he's come in. I didn't know him at all. I know I don't follow American League, so I did not know him. And like you say on Twitter, I didn't realise that they had such love for him or hopes for him because I'd never heard of the guy. And he come in and he got like three hits and he's he's all over the place. So yeah. If he can come in and give a boost to the teams and hopefully that'll 
rub off and uh, help with the hitting because that's all the only thing we're lacking at the moment. So, yeah, it'd be good if uh, you can see. I can't say I've definitely seen it yet, but yeah, let's hope that is something he can bring bring to the club because that'd be good. You're right, Charlie. I did look at his stats. Uh, we'll be trading for him because I was aware of him. I knew he had a good year a couple of years ago. Uh, a stat that I like a lot is OPS plus, where a hundred is league average. Anything below is uh, someone you probably don't want to trade for. Anyone above is someone you probably do. And it was um, last year, which is yeah, you know, I think he had played forty odd games. He was below, but the year before that, where he played. Hell of a lot more and had, I think, almost 300 at bats. He had a OPS plus of 127, which is a good baseball player. Maybe he doesn't do 127 OPS plus this year, but he's got enough. You know, he's hit a home run, a big one for us. He's got power. He looked good in centre field. Uh, small sample size, but I think it's a trade that works for us because, like we've mentioned already, we have a lot of relievers, so we're able to give one away. For an area that we need someone. Uh, unfortunately, similar to Tra- Talkman, Tommy Lestella had a big day as well. I think we've all been waiting for him to kind of come round with the bat. But then he left the game with a hamstring strain, um, which is looking like he's going to be on the IL for a while. So I'm expecting Jason Vossler, who we've seen a little bit of, to come up and replace him. And as Ben said, we do have other options to mix in as well. So I'll go to Dave first and then Ben. Um, how do you see us filling the gap left by La Stella? Um, do you see anybody being the full-time lead-off like List? Well, I know he kind of shared it with Slater at times, but it was mostly him recently. And who do you see playing second base while La Stella's on the IL? Yeah, the dreaded IL, which we, uh, like I said earlier, seems to be getting a lot of at the moment. Um I think um, Flores uh, surprised me this year with his defensive playing. I think we could play Flores there comfortably, aren't? And uh, obviously platoon in uh, Dubon really. But um, I could see. Du- I would say I wouldn't necessarily want to be putting Dubon leading off at the moment. What with his uh, running uh, mistakes, but. Um, <laughs> he could definitely fill in too but yeah I'd like to see Flores there and Flores has struggled a bit with the bat so far this year so hope maybe getting in there all the time and playing there and getting into a rhythm and maybe it'll get him going maybe it's something he needs because uh, it'd be good to see Flores get going again yeah I agree I think it'd be Flores and Debon rotating for that spot see if somebody can make it their own um, and then with the lead-off spot, Farhan has obviously told the game to keep changing that lineup. You know, we don't have a fixed lineup, so it would possibly be give quite a few people a go and see who takes a who takes the best punt there. It might just be, you know, someone works there and you give them a couple of games in a row. You stick to it. I have no idea who that will be. Yeah, the Giants are definitely getting tested for their depth in that point, and. Uh, just quickly going back to the bullpen where we have shown good depth. Um, one thing that impressed me yesterday was Camilo Duval's one, two, three inning after obviously he'd had the unfortunate game in game two. So I just want to get your guys' views on, uh, what impressed you, uh, with his bounce back yesterday. And do you think that's a sign that unlike, say, Gregory Santos, he does have the moxie and the, strong-mindedness and wilderness to be able to stick around stick around after a bad outing and bounce back and i'll go to dave and then ben first and then ben yeah i think um deval was, was brilliant like you say uh that other game that could have uh put a lot of people off but he's come straight back uh two strikeouts got through the inning uh fantastic but um he he didn't pitch that badly in the game that went badly, if you know what I mean. But I think the way he's bounced back, and that does show that he's someone that we can trust and use. You know, no one's going to be perfect. They will have every reliever's going to have an inning that ain't so great. But um, if they can come back and then have an inning like that, you know you can trust them and uh, put them back out there again in those situations. So yeah, it's good to see him get out there. And uh, good to see him get the chance to go out there and prove that he can do it. Yeah, I do like him a lot. 
Yeah, he's great. Anyone that can throw 100 miles an hour, I think he did it for the first time uh, yesterday, is someone that we need to keep around. You know, he, he, he should be there more than not. I'm sure he will go to the alternate site or to AAA at some point. But, you know, like you guys, I think I'd like to see him there more often than not. Do you guys see him as the seventh inning option now as well? Do you think he's done enough to prove that even just for the short term he belongs there? Because I know going into that game, Gabe was kind of starting to use him a lot in that role. And he's also used him in the eighth inning as an alternative to Tyler Rogers at times. So do you, do you think that's a role that he deserves to have for at least the short term? And I'll go to Ben this time first, please. And... Yeah, seventh. Is where seventh inning is where I like him. I think maybe he's got to learn a bit more about the league before we start sticking him in those high leverage eighth inning outings. Rogers has done fantastic, so keep him there uh, and, and let him work his way from from there. Yeah, I think like you say, he's been used in a couple of different positions, but you want to get him in there when it's not quite such a high leverage uh, situation, just to see how he's going to go, but. I'm not sure Gabe and Farhan are too fussed about having fixed positions for people. Uh, where they seem to be happy to swap uh, everyone around the 8th, 7th, 8th and 9th, depending on the situation. But um, in more traditional terms, yeah, I could definitely see him as the 7th and then Rogers in the 8th and then uh, McGee in the 9th. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they use him and what situations they put him in and see what trust they've got in him. Yeah, I think that's good to end on a positive note there to wrap up the Padres series. So the next series the Giants have coming up against is against the Rockies starting tonight. In game one, it's Aaron Sanchez against German Marquez, and we've seen Marquez already this season. So just some numbers against Marquez, which makes good reading for the Giants. Brandon Belt is 11th as 27 with a home run, six RBIs, and 11.52 OPS. Brandon Crawford is 10th of 30 against Marquez with a home run, three RBIs, and 909 OPS. Alex Dixon is 8th of 17 with a home run, three RBIs, and 13.50 OPS. And Buster Posey is 4th of 12 with a home run, three RBIs, and 974 OPS. But with that being said, the thing that worries me about Aaron Sanchez is the loss of velocity, as I know he was throwing basically 86 to 88 mile per hour fastballs or so in his last outing. And to me, this is like a big era of power pitching. It's not so bad if you can say throw 90 to 92 like Alex Wood does and then work off that. But for me, 86 to 88 is just too low and there's eventually going to be a point where he starts getting lit up quite badly and unfortunately as we know from past experiences that can happen at Coors Field so I'll go to Dave and then Ben Uh, do you guys have confidence in Aaron Sanchez to keep his streak of good starts or shall we say solid starts going in this series? Uh, Being in Colorado I think you're worried about any pitcher uh, throwing a to contact, but uh, I think um, I'm just hoping that we're seeing the velocity ramp up so that you know he proved he could recently throw that hard, but he needs to like build up to it because he's been out a while. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I like the matchup if you're going to put him up against someone. Uh, I think Marquez is a good uh, guy to put him up against because. Well, we say this, but the numbers show that we should we should hit against Marquez, but uh, we see how these go. <laughs> but if we can get a lot of runs, and I don't think it'd be a problem. Like Sanchez said, he's getting the outs. You know, he's got he's got a two point two two ERA. He's had twenty strikeouts. So yeah, if the velocity gradually creeps up, and it's just it just shows that he is a really good pitcher. That even without that velocity at the moment, he can. Uh, get it done and get the outs. So, yeah, I think I, I'm confident for game one, definitely. Yeah, we've talked about the starting pitching and how good it's been. He's probably the one where you're thinking, how much longer is it going to continue? Um, but, you know, it, I don't want to say, oh, it's only a matter of time because he's pitched so well um, and unconventionally. Yeah, um, I think... The last start was as, as good as any, really, from him. His stuff, even though he's not, you know, hitting it in the low nineties, he's still keeping it as off balance. 
And maybe when they're used to seeing 90 every day, someone comes in and throws mid, mid 80s, it maybe it throws them off for the, the first at bat or two. Then he's, you know, she's going twice around the, the lineup and the bullpen can carry the way. So I, I like him. I think, you know, when we signed him, I thought, you know, if he can stay fit, he, you know, he was such a good pitcher three, few years back in Toronto. Um, I'm confident, you know, I'm, I'm confident that he'll, even if it dips, maybe this will be the day. Um, hopefully it doesn't dip prolonged. Hopefully it's just a one-off cause field jinx. Uh, with the numbers I quoted there for how successful we've been against Marquez, although he is one of their premier pitchers, but we've just seen him really well for whatever reason. And with what I was saying and what Ben kind of alluded to there as well about Aaron Sanchez's velocity and the potential issues that could come with that and what Dave was saying about Coors Field. Uh, do you both see this as being the classic Coors Field 12-11, 11-9 kind of high scoring game out of the three? And I'll go to Dave and then... Uh, out of the three, uh, I think, yeah, hopefully it will be high scoring. Um, I, I think... No, I think Sanchez is going to be all right, and it'll be high scoring for us, and that'll be it. There's only the, out of the three games that I think I wouldn't want to predict a sweep. I think I did on the very first one, and it happened. That was just more like early season bravado. That we, <laughs> yeah, we'll sweep the Rockies. Don't worry about it. But two um, one in the last one just shows you that a sweep's hard, even if the team's not as good because weird baseball things happen and. Uh, the world happens and human error happens. So, but I think we could get a sweep with the only matchup I would be worried while watching is the Webb Gray one. And although Gray's got a high ERA like Webb, his ERA is quite good at, in Colorado, strangely. But uh, yeah, I think, I think we'd take this series. And uh, if Webb can show what he has done, I think we could. Uh, Get the brooms out. Yeah, sweep would be nice, but I don't want high-scoring games because high-scoring games isn't how we tend to win games. You know, we, we win games when our opposition scores one or two runs. So, you know, if I'm waking up one day and seeing eight, seven, my first thought, even before I've seen who the eight is to and who the seven is to, is going to be, oh, crap. Um, when I see, you know, 6-1 or a 4-1, I know, okay, yeah, our starting pitchers had them and the bullpens backed them up. Um, but course field is course field. We've hit quite well there, uh, as, as as does everybody, but there's something about going there. You know at least one of those games, like you said, either them or you is going to score plus eight runs, which is probably nowhere else in baseball like it. Maybe Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I agree there. Benham is one of those parks where it can basically happen at any time just because of where it is and how it is. Uh, in terms of game two, it's Alex Wood against a start that the Colorado Rockies haven't announced yet. So I'm going to skip over that one as obviously if we don't know who we're facing, it's quite hard to uh, judge and rate how it's likely to go. So as Dave mentioned there in game three, it's Logan Webb against John Gray. John Gray is a former uh, first round draft pick. Um, in the terms of numbers against Webb, Ryan McMahon, Garrett Hampson, Ryan Altapia, and Charlie Blackman all have 1100 OPS or more against Webb. Or that's in eight at bats for all of them, apart from McMahon, who's had seven. Brandon Belt is 12 for 26 against Gray with two home runs, seven RBIs, and a 1418 OPS. Alex Dixon is three for 11 with two home runs and three RBIs and a 1091 OPS against Gray. Although Gray is having a good season so far with a 3.15. ERA uh, this this year, and it is also a contract year for him as well, so he does have that extra motivation to, sorry Rockies fans, be able to say, well, this is it, this is my last year in Colorado, I can pitch well, get out of here and play for a big contract. Um, in terms of those numbers against Logan Webb, they are a bit worrying, but as we said, he seems to have refound what he had in spring over the last two starts, so I think this will be a good test for him in terms of is he past being the old Logan Webb where a team like the Rockies could traditionally put up six or seven runs against him? Uh, so I'm 
going to go with an over-under here. So I'm actually going to go with a quality start. So do you guys think Logan Webb will pitch six innings and will allow three earned runs or less? And I'll go to Ben and then Dave, please. Oh, that's a tough one, but I'm probably going to say no. Sorry. Um, yeah, probably no. He's he's a bit confusing. He's done well in his last start, but um, you know he's almost giving up a home run per nine innings. But then you look at his habit, which is at three six seven, so that's quite unlucky. That's really high. So a lot of those contacts, hopefully, you know, find gloves. But um, when you look at Look at Coors Field. It's not probably going to be the day where he, the Babbitt goes down, is it? When the ball gets put in play there, it tends to find those big gaps and tends to go over the wall. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry, Logan, but it's probably not going to be uh, six innings for you. I'm going to stay on the web train and say he's going to go six innings, yeah. Go six innings. Jot it down. I've said it. I, th- I think he will... I think it'll be all right. I think it'll be all right. It's going to be the game that's going to be scary, I think. And just for the UK listeners, that is the UK-friendly one. Ten past eight over here starts. So uh, get ready to for the usual sitting on your couch uh, tense. <laughs> I'm I'm going to bet on the plus side, Dave. So I think he's going the right way, and he is showing that he can work himself out of tough situations as well. Although he is giving up the odd mistake pitch here or there, and I think I don't think he'll get under three runs, but I think he'll get exactly three runs, and he'll just about have the pitch count to make it. So just quickly, uh, both of you going with two and one Giants win the series, two games to one. Yes, I'm going for the sweep. I'm putting my face. I love it, Dave. I love it. We're going for it. We're going for it. Let's do it. Let's go to Colorado. And then we got the Padres coming back into San Francisco. And we know they ain't as good as they say, so let's go. I think our man, Mr. 90 Wins, Mike Dowling, will be right there with you betting on the sweep, Dave. So me and Ben going for two and one there and Dave going for three and oh. So this is one of the few times where I'm going to say I hope I'm wrong. And Dave is correct here. So we're going to move on to the prospect spotlight. Now is interestingly the Giants' assignments for the prospects in terms of the minor leagues and where they're going to be starting out in their minor league teams were announced earlier this week. So just for those fans who aren't familiar with how the system works, you've basically got rookie league, then you've got low A, which is San Jose, high A, which is the Eugene Emeralds, double A, which is the Richmond Flying Squirrels, and triple A, which is the Sacramento Rivercats, and then you've got the MLB level above that. So one thing I think we all thought was with the way that Heliot Ramos played in spring and also in the way he's played at the alternate site as well, where he seems to be hitting a home run literally almost every other day, if not every day, he'd be getting a start in AAA, but he's actually getting a start in Richmond. So I'll go to Dave first. Uh, is that quite surprising to you? And do you have any issues with that at all? And then the same question to Ben as well. Uh, no, I don't have issues with it, but um, like you say, it does seem like he's been hitting, what, AAA level pitching in scrimmages. Um, I think they've just stuck to what they said they're going to do, and but they're go- I don't think he'll hang around there very long. I think they'll promote through the leagues quite, quite rapidly. I think with a lot of the prospects, um, especially the low A guys, some of them have been hitting some good pitching from Oakland, and uh, I think that they might get very happy down there and they might have to uh, promote quickly just as, you know, to move them on because it might be a bit too easy for some of them. But yeah, I think Ramos will come up through and be promoted quickly because I'm sure he's going to he's gonna mash while he's down there. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think us as fans sort of hope he would go to AAA and if the team carries on the hot start, then we could bring him up to really give us a push to maybe, you know, a post all star break, give us a push in a playoff run. But Farhan probably looked at the year, uh, next year is the year we might compete. And this year, if we compete, it's a bonus. And I don't think he's the sort of person or Scott Harris to make 
sentimental moves. You know, not going to put him in Triple H just because we've had a quick start to the year. I think their plan for him was always Double A. They've always said that, and so they're not going to change their, from their plan. They're looking at uh, Project Big Picture. Yeah, absolutely. Ben, I agree with you there. I don't think it'll really do him any harm either. Um, if I remember correctly, he had actually less than 100 bats at AA anyway, so another 100 at-bats or so wouldn't really hurt him. So just for where some other standout Giants prospects are, uh, the big one, Marco Luciano, he's starting in low A San Jose, along with the Giants' top pitching prospect, Kyle Harrison. And someone who I would advise everybody to keep an eye on, Lewis Matos, who's a potential five-tall outfielder. Um, at the moment, he's on the kind of run to be a comparable to, say, a Michael Brantley. Uh, he's an all-round good hitter, all-round great defender, but he doesn't hit for much power. But if the power does come, he could potentially be on a Mookie Betts kind of level. So he's very much a guy to keep an eye out on out for. Then there's also Luis Toribio as well, who sees the ball well. He's going to be a really high OBP infielder. At high A, Eugene, there's Seth Corey, who's our second best pitching prospect, Will Wilson, Logan Wyatt, Patrick Bailey, and Hunter Bishop. At double A, along with Juliet Ramos, is Sean Jelly, who some analysts think will make the Major League team at some point this year. And Sam Long, who we all saw in spring and we're all rooting for because not only does he have a great story, he also does also have great stuff as well. And he's he was a starter turn relief who's now been turned back into a star again. And then after that, we have Joey Barr at Triple A. So have you guys got any comments on any of those other prospects I I mentioned, uh, Ben and then Dave? Yeah, the picture to look out for is Sean Jelly. Just because you can't miss him, he's massive. <laughs> he's so tall. It's really weird. If you look at some of the clips of him pitching, it's just very odd. The angle he comes down, it's almost like he's throwing from a separate mound to everyone else. So when he comes up, we don't know if he'll be good for long, but I, I have a suspicion he'll be good at least for his first few starts because the batters won't have faced anything like it. Yeah, I think overall with our prospects, uh, like Ben said earlier, Farhan doesn't uh, go for any sentimentality at all and thankfully doesn't listen to us But because uh, <laughs> we'd have them all moving up very quickly. But I think it's worth like looking at where they are and they are probably all going to do really well at that level. So there's going to be a lot of people clamouring for them to be promote, 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 but... The bigger picture is, you know, let's see, just give them time to settle in and see how they do over a longer term. But uh, yeah, there's if you if you're near if people are near these minor league grounds, you can go and see some absolute cracking teams, some absolutely stacked teams. So if you're you're if you can go and see your minor league baseball, I know uh, at Debbie McVegan who uh, is a lot on uh, Twitter tweets us a lot. She's getting excited because she's near Eugene, so she'll be going down there to see. Uh, Bailey and Bishop and uh, yeah get out there and see them I, I was even contemplating the old minor league uh, telly thing I was like have I got enough time in the day to add more baseball to it I don't know might have to stick with the highlights <laughs> but it should be fun that's it Dave just not enough uh, hours in the day unfortunately I'll be doing the same thing and if you don't have time to please do um, make sure you tune into Splash Hits pod as well because we will be doing the prospect spotlight on every single episode so if you do miss something major um, we will feature that for you and just quickly before we go, uh, please keep an eye on Batflips and Nerds. I know um, me and Ash both have articles that we're currently in the stage of think about writing, so there shouldn't be so there should be giant material coming up over the next week or two. Um, in terms of our partner podcasts, Torturecast featuring friends of the show Eric Nathanson is recording today as well. So they they'll also be looking at the Giants from their own unique perspective, and also they've been looking back at previous Giants eras recently as well, ranking like top outfielders, top infielders, etc. The latest Say Hey podcast is out as well, um, featuring Say Hey Rob and Say Hey Doug. The Rizzo Cast with 
Stephen Risotto featuring former MLB reliever Scott Linebrink is out as well. So I know that's not Giants kind of leaning, but it's a, it's an interesting insight into being an MLB player, an MLB reliever. And um, yeah, so if you've wondered what it's like to be in the game or what it's like to be a player, please do check it out. And thanks for watching and listening. And we will be back in two weeks or so. And go Giants! Cheers, Charlie. Good job. Cheers. See you.